once again, and we welcome you to this, the Lord's house, and we thank you for connecting with us on this day uh, as we gather for time of worship, and we turn now our attention to the Word of God. We thank you so very much for taking the time to uh, be a part of this worship experience. I'm going to ask, as always, if you would take now a moment and you would begin to hit those share buttons, if you begin a watch party, if you would even consider someone who needs to hear a word this morning. We have already heard a word through song, a very seasonal word, and we are grateful for our worship team and how they have blessed us already. But now it's time for the word, and as you're doing that, I'm going to ask if you would grab your Bibles, your iPad, and even get everyone up in the house this morning. Would you do that? Amen. In this season where so much is going on, nobody needs to sleep on what God is saying. Uh, so with that being said, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9 is where we turn our attention uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Give you a moment to get there. Amen. And thank you again for those who share in this time and to share even with your gifts, those who have been a blessing. And we pray that we've been a blessing to you in this season. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to begin reading at verse 27. Verse 27. It reads this way as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. But they went out and spread the news <clears throat> about him all over that region, I couldn't keep it to myself. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I just couldn't keep it to myself. Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching. We ask now, God, once again, that you would anoint us afresh, give us now clarity of thought and strength of body. Allow us now to speak a word tailor-made for this moment. 
that those who are watching, those who are listening might be helped, might be strengthened through the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I just couldn't keep it to myself. Jesus has just left the home of a synagogue leader who had summoned him there uh, for the sake of his sick daughter who was struggling to stay alive. But before the master could arrive, his daughter died. But his daughter's death would eventually prove uh, the unlimited power of the master uh, that he can move in any kind of situation and that there's never a situation where it's too late for the Lord to do something. For Jesus would raise this young daughter back to life and the house would be filled with joy once again because sickness is gone, death is despair has no longer filled their house because the Lord has shown up when some thought it was too late for a miracle and performed one right in their midst. After performing the miracle and leaving the synagogue leader's house, then Jesus makes a beeline to an unspecified location. Our text opens this morning by simply telling us, and the Lord moved on. Matthew does not give us uh, his itinerary. He does not uh, announce to us the specific place that the Lord would, would go. He simply tells us he moved on. The Bible does not uh, tell us exactly where the Lord was going. Uh, and it seems as though to me uh, that Jesus seemingly slipped away off the scene without an announcement or without bringing any attention to himself. After performing the miracle, he simply moved on. It's interesting that as he moved on, though, we see now two blind men entering onto the scene. We see that Jesus, as he is moving, as he is going to his next place of destination, uh, that he is followed, watch this, by two blind men. Please don't read the Bible too fast. The Bible says he is being followed by two blind men. I could not help but wonder how in the world could two blind men, first of all, find one another? We see them following Jesus, but how did two blind men find each other? But then I discovered that uh, there are times, and you've found this to be true yourself, uh, that people who are dealing with similar situations as yourself have a tendency to gravitate to others who are going through the same things as yourself. You have a way of 
finding individuals who are in the same situation as you. They found one another. We don't know how they found one another, but perhaps it was the, that the fact that they were dealing with the same issue that brought them together. But can I push this for I move too quickly? Not only were they together, but here's a question I raised in my mind from another practical sense. How were they able to stay together? We know they found each other and they were together, but since they were blind, how were they able to stay together since neither one of them could see? But can I tell you something? Here's something that some of you already know, that it is true that when you find someone who can relate to your situation, you do your best to stay connected to that person. When you find that someone who can relate to your situation, relate to your pain, relate to what you're going through, relate to what's happening in your life, you have a tendency to do all you can to stay connected to those people. Some of you are connected to some people right now because you feel as though those individuals can relate to your pain. They know what it's like to walk in darkness. They know what it's like to go through a period of life where you're not sure where you're going next. You can relate to their situation. They can relate to your situation and you it brings you both together. Here he is being followed by two blind men. The text says these men followed him. Can I take my time and talk the text out? They followed him. It is, remember now, an unspecified location. And so we don't know the distance of the destination. But yet these men are following Jesus. I said it too fast. Let me back that thing up. We don't know the place of destination. It was an unspecified place. It was an unspecified location, and so we don't know the distance of the destination. In other words, we don't know uh, what kind of road or roads they had to travel just to follow Jesus. But even though we don't know the road or roads or the number of places they had to go to follow him, they continue to follow him. Can I stop right there and commend someone? who is watching me this morning you had to travel some roads some rough roads and following Jesus but you have continued to follow Jesus no it has not been easy no it has not been a piece of cake but the reality is in spite of the roads you've had to travel since you've been saved you said I'm staying with Jesus I need to talk to some staying with Jesus folk I need to talk to some people who are doing this pandemic says I'm staying with Jesus I don't know what's going to be the outcome on Pennsylvania Avenue but I'm staying with Jesus I don't know how long this next surge is going to be and how bad it's going to get but I'm staying with Jesus in other words my trust 
is not in the economy. My faith is not in the White House. My faith is not in the political leaders. My faith is in G I'm not following a system. I'm not following a structure. I'm following the Savior. I'm following him. And yes, at times it will take me down some roads. I'd rather not go down. But you know what? I made up my sanctified mind. I'm following Jesus. I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm going with Jesus. I'm not leaving Jesus. I'm going with him all the way. Is there someone who says, I'm going all the way with Jesus? They followed Jesus. They followed him. They followed him. Two blind men followed him as he was moving. Two blind men, two sightless men uh, had enough discernment to know when the Lord was moving and they moved as he moved. You missed it. They moved as he moved. They were able to discern, even though they couldn't see, that the Lord was on the move again. And they wanted to be where he was. They were discerning enough to understand that and sense that where he was, he's not there anymore. And he's moving to another place. And they moved accordingly. Can I tell you we serve an active Savior? Can I tell you that we serve a Savior, a God who does not stand still? We serve an active God that he is always on the move. I'm glad to know that because anything that is that stands in one place for too long becomes stale. Anything that doesn't move will become toxic. And so you need for things to move in order for it to continue to have life and can I tell you we serve a God who is always on the move and some of you understand even in this season that God has been moving in ways that you never imagined he would move he's been going and taking you in places that you thought you would never go but the good news is you have decided that you're going to follow him and you have been discerning enough to understand that, that even though this is not the place I would pick because that's the place the Lord has gone I'm going with him because there is safety within the will of God I'm following him all the way the text says they followed him and notice what if you will what they were doing as they followed him as they followed him, watch this, uh, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. They cried for mercy. As they followed him, these two blind men in hot pursuit of the Savior, they cried for mercy. Can I tell you what that suggests to me? The fact that these two men cried out for mercy suggests to me uh, that they did not have a spirit of entitlement. 
The fact that they cried out for mercy, mercy has given me less than what I deserve, which means I deserve something. But Lord, don't give me everything I deserve. Give me less than what I, Lord, have mercy. Uh, I'm coming to you not acting as if I'm all of that in a bag of chips. Lord, have mercy. I'm not coming to you as if I dotted every I and crossed every T. Lord, have mercy. Lord, I'm not coming to you and be as a self-righteous saint who's never sinned before. Lord to have mercy. Lord, I need you to have mercy. They cry for mercy because as the old folks said, mercy suits their case. They cried out for mercy, but in crying out for mercy, it also suggests to me that they didn't carry any biological baggage. You missed that. Here are two blind men crying out for mercy. And in crying out for mercy, it suggests that they didn't carry any biological baggage. In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is they did not look at their situation and say, Lord, you owe us. Look at the situation we're in. Uh, look at the deficiency, deficiency that we have. Look at the fact that we are visually impaired. Lord, you need to do this. Look at our lives. Look at our condition. Look at how we've had to live. Look at how we've had to walk in darkness. Look at how bad it is. Lord, you, you need to do something about our situation because of, it is because of you that we're in this situation. They didn't carry any biological baggage. Can I tell you where biological baggage comes from? It comes from faulty preconceptions about life. Can I talk to you for just a moment? Can I tell you where um, it comes from? Biological baggage comes from when we begin to look at our lives in this in this manner. It comes from faulty preconceptions about life. I'm going to take my time and teach. Uh, it comes from faulty preconceptions. What is faulty preconceptions? Faulty preconceptions about life is when you begin to believe that uh, what you want is always God's will. I'm going to say that again. Faulty preconceptions about life, which leads to biological baggage, is when you believe what you want in your life, for your life, is God's will. When the reality is, um, the truth be told, um, there will be things that we will encounter, things that we will experience, things that we will endure that will not always be what we want. Life comes with a mixed bag of good and bad, the ups and the downs, success and struggles, bad days and good days. Is there somebody who understands that life is not always the way that you want it? Is there someone who understands that things will not always go your way? That there are times when God will take us some places and allow us to experience some things that we would rather not experience but it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us it doesn't mean that God is not with us but when you have faulty preconceptions about life it will lead to faulty perspectives about life you will begin to perceive and your perspective on life will be that God is not good that God does 
does not care that God will not be with you, that God has forsaken you. No, the reality is whether you are saved or unsaved, in church or out of church, whether you know scripture or not, the reality is all of us will go through a season of distress and grief. All of us will have our times of trouble, but the difference between us and those who don't know the Lord is how we go through our seasons and, and how we deal with our struggles and, and how we deal with our pain and how we deal with our problems. These brothers saying, I'm following Jesus. These brothers said, I'm going all the way with him even in the midst of my situation. I'm following the master. They followed him. They cried for mercy. They cried out for mercy and their petition was based on something else the text unveils. The text goes on to tell us they cried out for mercy because he was the son of David. They said have mercy on us son of David. Don't miss that. Don't read the Bible too fast. Son of David? You do mean son of Joseph. No, we mean son of David. Because son of David um, uh, recognizes, is a title that recognizes him as a Messiah. So uh, we don't see him simply as another man. We see him as the Messiah. You remember when Jesus, it's interesting, when Jesus began his earthly ministry in Luke chapter 4 and he went back to Nazareth and, and preached his initial sermon. And he pulled out the scroll and began to read how the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel and, and to set at liberty those who are captive and so on. Uh, if you notice there, uh, when he was home, uh, that after he had shared the word, uh, the people in his hometown who had seen him grow up said, isn't this not the son of Joseph? Uh, the people, watch this, who had seen him every day only saw him as a man. While these two blind men who had never seen him saw him as the Messiah. I'm going to say that again. The people who had seen him every day only saw him as a man. While the ones who had never seen him saw him as a messiah okay um they saw him every day but never really saw who he was the people who had never seen him saw him for exactly for who he was here it is the people who saw him didn't see him and the people who couldn't see him saw him okay um Sometimes the only way people can see you for who you actually are is when they can't see you. Sometimes seeing so much of you blinds people to who you are. 
You're going to catch it in a minute. Some people can't see you because they've seen so much of you and they've been around you so much that now they have become blinded to who you really are. Sometimes it's the people who have never seen you. They are the ones who can see you. While the ones who have seen you every day have become so familiar with you that they no longer can see you. They cannot see the gift. They cannot see the anointing. They cannot see the hand of God on your life. They cannot see the calling because they have seen you so much that now they can no longer see what God is doing in your life. Here it is. So sometimes it takes people who have never seen you to be able to see you. Ah, sometimes it takes people who are unfamiliar with you to see what's actually in you. Here it is. The Bible says they cried out, son of David. We don't see you just as a man, but we see you as the Messiah, the Spirit is nudging me right through here. I don't know who this is for, but some of you are wondering right now, how come some people just can't seem to see me for who I really am? What am I doing wrong that people can't see me for who I really am? Boo, it's not you. You haven't done anything wrong. You just being you. They have just become blinded to who you are because sometimes some people can't see someone in their setting going and being so successful. Sometimes some people will limit you to where they are. Sometimes it is hard for some people to see someone who comes from their scene and setting going to a place that they never have gone to themselves. But I want you to know, don't you get stuck on who doesn't see you as long as the Lord, see, I feel God right through here, don't get stuck on who doesn't see you, who doesn't recognize you, who doesn't realize what is in you as long as the Lord, can I tell you something, you shouldn't get stuck on who doesn't see you because they are not the ones who have chosen you. You have been chosen by God. And if you know you've been chosen by God, then don't worry about what man or woman doesn't see you. The Lord, I feel God right through there. Can I tell you, the Lord sees you. The Lord sees your prayers. The Lord sees your cries. The Lord sees your passion. The Lord sees you your perseverance. The Lord sees you stepping up. The Lord sees you moving forward. The Lord sees you triumph. The Lord sees you being faithful. The Lord sees you being true. The Lord sees your authenticity. The Lord sees you. Don't allow people who have seen you but no longer can see you to keep you in a place that the Lord has never purposed for you to be no God. 
God has called you to more and you cannot allow people with less to keep you in a place of defeat. To whom it may concern, the Bible says they cried out, Lord, have mercy, son of David. And they went behind him shouting and crying out as the Lord continued to move forward. And notice, if you will, we don't know, again, as he's going to an unspecified location, the distance of the destination. But as they're crying out, notice, if you will, Jesus never responds. Yes. They're shouting. They're following him. They've acknowledged who he is as the Messiah, and Jesus is seemingly ignoring them. He's not saying anything. As a matter of fact, the text tells us he doesn't speak to them until he enters a house. Notice, if you will, um, publicly, he's silent. Privately, he begins to speak. Okay. Uh, publicly, as they were crying out, Lord have mercy, as they were following him, son of David, they were shouting, have mercy on us. But publicly, he's silent. Privately, when he enters into the house, he begins to speak. And when he begins to speak, the text says they came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus, this is a strange question. Uh, Jesus, we've been following you and we've been behind you and um, uh, we have identified you as uh, uh, the Messiah, uh, uh, what, what, what kind of question is this? We, we've been petitioning you for mercy. Well, why would you ask us, do I believe that you're able to do this? Here's what hit me, and I need to slow my roll through here because I need to do uh, some teaching right through this point. Uh, that's, I believe it's going to help someone. Um, I wrestled with this point of the passage because I couldn't understand the question because these men in my opinion had demonstrated so much faithfulness and, and, and they had already to me proven that they believe and for Jesus to ask them do, uh, he, do they believe he's able to do this was a strange question to me but here it is uh, it hit me in my time of meditation notice the text, watch the wording of the text. Everything they've done so far has been done publicly. You followed me publicly. You uh, uh, acknowledged me publicly. Um, you, you said a lot of things publicly when other people were around. But now, privately, I want to know, do you still believe what you said you believe publicly, privately? I, I want to know, how much faith 
do you have now that nobody's looking? I, I want to know how much faith do you have in me when you're all alone? I, I want to know how much faith do you have uh, when there is no crowd and there are no people, there's no worship, there's no praise, there's no congregation. It's just me and you. Do you still believe? Do you still have the same level of faith you had publicly, privately? Because publicly, when we're in front of other people, it is, it is easy to say what you believe. It is easy to confess Christ because you're in the crowd and you want to make others assume that you are just as faithful as they are. But the truth be told is sometimes our faith shifts when we get by ourselves and there's nobody else around and you're just in the house. It's just you and Jesus now. And you're looking around your house. You're looking at the bills that come to your house. You're considering the problems in your house. And now the question is, as you're sitting there, unable to see your way out, do you have the same kind of faith when you're by yourself? Do you still believe I'm able to do it? I saw you in worship. I saw you in church. I saw you singing. I saw you clapping. I saw you shouting. I saw you doing all those things. But when the music stops and when no one else is around, I wonder how much faith do you confess when it's just me and you? Do you believe that I'm able to do this. And their response simply was, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we still believe. Our faith is not shaken. Our faith is still there, even though we are here privately and there's no one else that we can stand and show off in front of you. Lord, we believe you're able to do this. And I want to say to someone right through here, the Lord is asking you this question as you're considering your own situation. And God is saying to you, do you still believe that I'm able to do this? Do you still believe? I know what you confess publicly, but now you are in uh, the private confines of your home. Do you believe that I'm able to do what you've been asking me to do? And everyone has their own list. For the truth of the matter is uh, uh, just a few weeks away from Christmas, uh, not everybody has a Christmas list. Some has a uh, Lord. 
I need you to move, Liz. Uh, somebody watching me this morning says, uh, I, I'm not looking uh, for clothes, cars, or cash. Uh, no, I'm looking for comfort in this season. I'm looking for change in this season. I'm looking for deliverance in this season. I'm looking for healing in this season. I, I want to be whole. I want to be right. I want to be restored. I want to get back on my feet. I want to get my joy back. I, I, want, I want it all back. Is there somebody who says you're talking to me right now? I want it all back. I want to get back to that place where I'm able to see again. And somebody here in the house this morning, you're listening to me and you're saying, Pastor, that's where I am right now. The Lord has been dealing with me because I must confess that when we were able to gather corporately, I was in one place, but since we have been in the house privately, I must admit, I've gone through some seasons and I've experienced some days where my faith was shaken. Yes, I love the corporate worship and I love when we were able to gather together. But since we have not been able to gather together, I must admit that there have been some days when I've wondered whether or not what I believed before will happen for me now. But I'm glad that you're sharing this message this morning because I want to publicly confess. Yes, I still believe. Is there somebody in the house who's watching me right from your house and you're saying, yes, I still, I still believe. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Yes, I've had my moments, but I must confess that now I'm back in place. I've come too far to quit over to somebody and say I've come too far to quit I've come too far to give up on my faith now I believe is there somebody who will say yes Lord somebody say yes yes I believe the Bible says these men confessed privately what they had declared publicly. And when these men confess privately what they have been shouting publicly, the Lord touched their eyes and he said, all right then, according to your faith, be it unto you. Did you hear what I said? He didn't say in proportion to your faith, but he said according to your faith. In other words, you will get from me what you believe I can do for you. You miss what I said. The Lord is saying you will get from me what you believe I can do for you. And somebody say, I believe there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I believe that God can do anything but fail. I believe that God can turn situations and seasons around. I believe that God is able to heal. That God is able to deliver. That God is able to make ways where there is no way. 
Uh, we have been blessed this morning, and even as we come to the close of our worship experience, if you are watching this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, here's an opportunity for you to do so. If you are saved uh, but searching, uh, we'd love for you to be a part of our family. Uh, this is an opportunity for those who are unsaved and saved and searching to find a place to call home because we've been called not just to believe but also to belong and so here's your opportunity and then for those who are watching and we thank God for you even at this moment who don't mind sharing in a gift we thank you um, for that gift at this time it takes money to do ministry even during the pandemic we know uh, it is a challenging time for everyone and uh, we believe uh, that God will always meet and supply our needs he does it even for the church through individuals like yourself uh, who take the time to sow a seed uh, for those who have been doing so and those who are choosing to do so uh, even perhaps for the first time. I want to say thank you. Uh, would you uh, take just a moment? There are multiplicity of ways in which you can give and uh, we pray and trust that you're doing that just right now in this season of miracles, in this season of gifts, in this season uh, where God is doing so many different things and I do understand that some are concerned about um, how you're going to make uh, ends meet but can I tell you uh, that even as you sow even as you share a seed uh, that God will always meet and supply your need understand the, the harvest is always greater than the seed no seed no harvest and so we thank you even now for those who are given and with that being said uh, we come now to the close of this worship experience father we thank you for how you have blessed on this day. Thank you for the worship and word, and thank you for your people. I pray for every household now under the sound of my voice, God, and that you would, even in this time, remind people that there's nothing too hard for you, that you would remind individuals who are watching uh, that it's never too late for a miracle, and we thank you for that now. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Family, go in peace. Go in peace. Amen.